everyone, welcome back again. This is the Iconist Podcast. I am one of your hosts with a multiple guest today. I am Barry Clearly 3D. I'm here with my cousin and co-host who seems to be sinking on my side. Oh, that's me. Hey, I'm DJ Rotsi. How y'all doing? <laughs> Good God Almighty. The pleasure today, we are just my my comedy brother, right? My man behind a touch of gray. Yes, a touch of, you know, a ton of fun. The one, the only, Dave Sokolowski. What is happening? Now, usually we go through our shout outs and we say, you know, hey, you got to check out, you know, my man, Jim Aldridge or Jimmy English from, you know, Back to the Balcony and his podcast, right? You can find all the links on Barry3D.com. And I go through this whole spiel and I said, hey, don't forget to thank, you know, Jay Bird Digital Arts. Guess what? Jay is here with us today. Holy Toledo. <laughs> the one and only <laughs> Jason. How do you say your last name, Jason? Is Jason Reese? Reese, that's it. Right, all right. See, so it's this is the Reese. first time. First time. First yeah. actually meeting with voices and, and visuals. <laughs> well, that's it. Because usually <laughs> we're just chatting on the phone. Everything's text. This is the first time we hear Jason. So I didn't know if he had a voice like Mike Tyson, if he had a deep baritone voice, sound like Rick Ashley. <laughs> I don't know. I'm fans of both of them. But this is the now, middle, I guess. Yeah. Right. We, 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 we see and, and he's a person. So once again, shout out Jaber Digital Arts. You know, look him up. He's done the templates for this video. He's done the templates mm-hmm. for a touch of gray. Um, mm-hmm. the, the backdrops here, uh, our logos. I got a Barry 3D logo that you'll see by the time this video is out. I, and there's a Connus logo. So you can go on to Redbubble. You can find all that. Go on to Barry3D.com. You'll find all the links. See, see Dave's patchwork. The next time we do a show live, a touch of fun, uh, a touch of gray comedy, and, and you see Dave. When Dave turns around, I'm not saying to look at his butt. I'm just saying you're going to see this nice patch on his back. Holy crap. All designed by Jay. So, I'm Jay, thank you very much. I'm my ass no matter what. <laughs> and action. <laughs> this is beautiful. So, this, I'm oh, so wait, excited for this. <laughs> it was until about 45 seconds um. ago. <laughs> We just lost that copyright. Goes, and we're demonetized. No, I'm joking. And I've seen this phrase a long time. It's hilarious. So I'm uh, glad to have you guys on board. Thank you for joining me. Uh, and today we, we are going to get down right to it. We're going to talk. Uh, we're talking, you know, let's put it this way. Uh, Superman has Lex Luthor, mm. right? Uh, Spider-Man has Norman Osborn. Mm. Us in the 90s, who did we have? Vince Kennedy McMahon. That's right. Oh, because oh, yes, government name. Government name, right? Vinnie Mac. Vinnie Mac. Okay, because look, every every place, every person, you need to have the ultimate bad guy to have the ultimate good guy, right? So look, Superman, great hero. Spider-Man, great hero, right? Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, The Undertaker. These these are all some of the people that fought Vinnie Mac in the ring. And why? Because he was that great of a villain. Vince Kennedy McMahon. At one point, wrestlers were pissed off and two wrestlers turned around and formed their own group and called it the uh, Voodoo Kim Mafia to make a parody of his names that, you know, and that was Billy Gunn and, and Mr. Uh, Road Dogg, you know? Uh, yeah. So yeah. 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 From new Degeneration X. There we go. The new age outlaws, right. When they were just running rogues. So if this man can have this much, we're going to get into it today. We're going to talk about some good old nineties wrestling. Maybe not some of the stuff we see today because it's just not happening, but <laughs> Vince Kennedy well, McMahon. And that's the thing. Like, to be honest with you, this latest exodus from the WWE, 
Yeah. I mean, like, I haven't seen something like that many people jump in ships since, like, Titanic. Gone. <laughs> really? Like, <laughs> like, I looked at the news the other day, and there were all these people in the airport in the airport in Kabul, and I thought, wow, WWE is getting rid of a lot of people. <laughs> Nobody's safe. It's true, though. It's true, and that's and that's a shame because we're seeing it now, and I don't know what's going to be like in the next uh, two years, right? But in its heyday, I mean, Vince McMahon, I mean, he's 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 up there. So first of all, you know, he mm. 1945. He was born, you know, uh, in 1945. So we're going way back. He came out and was born when TV came around. He had a tough life, seriously speaking. You know, his parents split up when he was still young. He was living with his mom. He lived in a trailer park. He's dyslexic, and he was a rebel rouser. Like, he would fight pretty much, I guess, anybody. And that was his thing. And he had to go through four stepdads that would beat the crap out of his mom and beat the crap out of him because he would stand up so they would stop beating his mom. And and he had a tough beginning. So this mm. there sounds already something like Jokerist. Like, this is like a DC origin right yeah. there. No joke. No, no joke. That's true. That's true. <laughs> right? And And he figured his logic was, if it doesn't kill me, if I survive whatever comes at me, then I mm -hmm. won. Doesn't mean he won the fight. He says, if I survived what they did to me, I won. And he keeps that mentality all the way up to now. So regardless of COVID being a factor and, and other wrestling promotions are kind of ebbing away at him, he's mm -hmm. going to think, well, I'm still standing. I won. <laughs> yeah. Good module. Doesn't, doesn't care about what anybody says or thinks or does about any of it. He hates, he's admitted to hating losing and doesn't mm -hmm. want to actively lose, but he's also said he's not afraid of failing because he knows he will, like just what you said, he'll survive it, be stronger, and win in the end. And I mean, yeah, that's maybe one of the few admirable things about him, uh, <laughs> which, is, which, makes, which makes for a good heel for sure. But, uh, but it's true. I mean, coming from adversity uh, and look where he ended up, you know. The, right multi-billion dollar company now but, but i mean like much like hogan and andre fighting in wrestlemania 3 like that was the pinnacle for both of them and i think the monday night wars for for mcmahon were kind of like it because ever since then he's been kind of like there's been a lot of questionable decisions and he always seems to kind of like oh well it's it's starting to sag I should go out there and do something. And that's kind of like, dude, we get it. It's your company, but fuck off. Like, <laughs> you're paying the talent for a reason. Right. Work with them. Yeah, but you said something really interesting. Back then when it was the Monday Night Wars, he would go out there, and that's when he came up with the character, Vinnie Mac. And he came out with the, the whole swagger, the, the walk mm -hmm. down to the ring, um, and, and made himself a, a, an in-ring performer. Now, he's, he's not an in-ring performer. We clearly know that. He's stiff as all hell. But his persona was interesting to watch that he can get away with a lot of crap. Like, like I've seen him pull off some stuff, and you're like, no, he didn't. Yeah, <laughs> but my was never afraid. After a while, you're just kind of like, oh, fuck this. <laughs> Yeah, but during my night wars, I like some of the stuff he pulled off. And even after that, I, I, he would say, like, look, there's a couple of things that stand out. Like, the key one is the N-word, okay? I, I, I remember watching Monday Night Raw, and, you know, he comes out there with a the swagger, and it, um, it's King Booker, 
with, with you know with, with his wife you know queen shabella and and they're both there and he walks right by so innocently looking and he's like what's up my and he says the n-word and they're like and he keeps walking <laughs> and everyone was like no he didn't and he's got this big smile on his face he was so full of himself now as a character and as a man of color i found that funny because that goes right back to a slip that booker t did in one of his promos where he dropped the n-word um when they're part of uh wcw yeah, cause the Harlem Heat, because he got so caught up in the promo, and he and he went out and he dropped it, and his head dropped out, and Mean Gene Okerlund was like, mm-hmm. "And what do you have to say, Stevie Ray?" <laughs> keep going, keep going, keep rolling, keep going through it, right? You know, and, and Sherry's there as her manager, and she's just like patting him on the back, like they're there, they're there, and Booker T's like, "Oh, I can't believe I just said that." <laughs> so for Vince to pull that callback on and and get away with it, you know. Which is actually funny because was Booker's one of Booker's main like catchphrases in the WWE. Like he did not just say that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and yes. at the time he's in there going, "Did I just say that?" <laughs> <laughs> right. But I mean that that's that's the beauty of Vince. Vince was pulling off stuff like even there, as I said, I'm there with my you know my brother and we're in the house, we're watching, like, okay, yeah, yeah. And he comes by and he's like, What's up? And I'm like And he's like, Did he yeah. just say that? And of course he did, and he walked off with confidence. Like, with no out care of in all the world. This, exactly, all this council right. culture that goes on, he went, talked about it. Clearly they knew he was gonna say it, said it, mm-hmm. walked off with so much confidence, no backlash. No, he got he got and he got that that heat that he wanted. He there's no limit to to what he would do right. to generate heat. And, and, and there's a story about him too with the uh, talent in the back is when he was uh, a high ranking heel in his own company, mm-hmm. the top heel. He would go back after being out in the ring and on the stage, so to speak, and he would tell show all the guys. He was basically showing all the heels in his own company. I'm the best at doing a heel. None of you can touch, you, none of you can get the same heat I can because nothing, I mean, he was in the position to do that because he owned the, the, the damn company. The and, and that's, that's the other the thing that is hateable. Honestly, honestly, guys, tell me he isn't Donald Trump. You know, he, he's that uber, uber gajillionaire who's got that, that can we swear? Is this a swear? Sure. Oh, it's that, too late. Dave, Dave already did. So, like I said, the parental got, part is off. He's got that, that fuck you money, right? He's got the fuck you money. Brought me on the show knowing. So... <laughs> Absolutely. We signed the we signed the waiver. I was okay. Absolutely. So, yeah, it's a free form, man. So yeah, you're you're right. He's got that fuck you money. He's got that. Yeah. Yeah. And- must have been a bit of a bit of a piss off to the other top heels because yeah, you can say that you're the best heel, but you can say you're doing anything because it's your damn company. Like you're not going to you fire go. yourself, and he can well, get that because there's no line he can't cross. Right. Who, who, who do who do who do he has to answer to yeah. himself? So he doesn't have to worry. So literally, I agree that he, he knew, like, he can push the envelope completely all the way past to the point you're making paper. It's not even pushing the envelope. He's making paper in the next room. He's, he's, he's pressing as much as possible. So he's doing it. He's doing it to anything, though. He does have to answer to the board of directors. Well, okay. But okay. As long as, as long as their bank account is there you Listen, do whatever gonna... you need to do. Be like, Vince, we need that again. I need more money. I need a new pair of shoes. Okay, I'll be a heel tomorrow night. Don't you worry. 
pull my beer. But, but at the same, exactly. But at the same time, right? Keep in mind what you're saying. So he was showing the heels in the back how to be heels, right? He's a businessman. Yeah, he's a businessman. Now it's his own company, but no one really tried to go and do above him, right? Because think of it, he was such a good heel that when Austin got into it, look when Austin's reign. So when Austin started coming up, and then Austin started really picking up steam when him and McMahon started going at it. It mm -hmm. made Austin that much better. You rooted for the redneck, you know? Yeah. JR was out there as a mouthpiece going, oh my God, here comes the bionic redneck. And Austin would come down there. And I mean, come on, Austin's uh, fighting McMahon. He can't wrestle, you know? We all remember the scene where McMahon's in the hospital, <laughs> you know? And two things happen. It's when Mankind, Mick Foley goes over there to visit him. And he's like, oh God, no. And it's when Austin shows up and sees McMahon and grabs like the bedpan and digs him off the head. <laughs> and he took the beats. He, he took the beats. He had to. He took the bumps. Well, that's, that's, that's the other thing too. Not only would he say anything, he would do anything. And, and right. I've seen a lot of matches where he was, he was slicing his head. He was bleeding. He was taking some yeah. big bumps for a man who was older and not trained right. his whole life doing it. He would do anything for business. Listen, yes. I'm going to go back to what you said in the beginning, Barry. What, it, it shows that his mantra to himself is like, you can't defeat me. I'm still standing. So he's going to take a beating to the point he's like two beats away from passing out. I can still stand up. I'm still winning. I'm yeah. still winning. I got people enjoyed. I got people riled up. My business is going up. Profits up. We're going to sell some shirts tonight. <laughs> yeah. Look, I'll see That's you. what it is. I'll, leave the, I'll get you guys talk. One of my favorite moments with WWE is, I can't remember, something was happening in the ring. I can't remember which match it was. So something's going on in the ring. And then Vince comes out. He does a whole swagger. He jumps and he gets into the ring. I think it was like a count against somebody. And he slides into the ring. But when he slides into the ring and he starts yelling at people, he was supposed to get into the slide in the ring, stand up, walk over, and start yelling at people. When he slid in, he, he, he split or he tore both his uh, like quad muscles or whatever in both his legs. Quads. Yeah. 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 So you couldn't stand oh, up. That was um, uh, Royal Rumble. Yes, yes. It was two guys went over and they both were, was it Batista and Jericho? Oh, it's possible. I can't remember who it was fighting, but I remember him coming down. But you're right, it's Royal Rumble, and he slid, I know it was Royal, and he slid in, came up, and he couldn't even stand. So he had to sit in the corner, and he's still in character. Now imagine, you just tore your muscles. You've got to be in pain. Oh, no. Nobody knew. And he's, bah, 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 help me out the ring. <laughs> That's it. And imagine being one of the guys in the back seeing that, like, when you go out to do your show, you better put as much into it as the man who's at the top is doing. That's exactly it. Right? You better you better be you better be at least that. You know that you will you can at least respect the man who's at the top. And this yep. is this was part of his character and the, the most interesting thing about him is how thin the veil is between reality and the show. Yes. Mm -hmm. And we can all identify with at least one time in our life wanting to beat the shit out of our boss. You know, we'll have to stick right. it to them, right? And yes. we can also all uh, have had the opportunity, I'm sure, where you work for somebody where you really would run through a wall for him. You know, mm -hmm. where you say, you know what, this guy really is the best in this business, and he is working as hard as everyone else. And he strangely right. has both of those things. 
you know, like it's it's kind of an quality and and something that could be respected. And he's also a, a look. He, he is a dick. Yet he's a dick. I mean, at, at his core, he is. He's not. He's not really nice to people. He's focused on his business and making That's money. It. But right. damn it, he's not sitting in an ivory tower telling people what to do and not doing it himself. Right. Yeah. And I mean, for people that are working for you, I, I was a I was a kitchen worker for uh, about fifteen years, and right. I saw both sides of that. I, I've seen head chefs I worked for that were there on the busiest nights, the busiest times, and they were the best cook in the kitchen. They mm-hmm. were burning themselves and cutting themselves with the rest of us. And you go, you know what? I'm I will work as hard as I possibly can because he is the best. He's better than all of us. So, right. what else can you do? Absolutely, and I agree with that. What's your take on that, Dave? I, you know what, I, I can honestly say I've never liked him. <laughs> I've, I, I've never liked him. I've never liked him as a, as a competitor. I've never liked him as a, as a commentator. Mm-hmm. I've never liked him as a promoter or whatnot. And just going back to that Royal Rumble thing, it was 2005, uh, Batista and John Cena. Ah, oh, okay. Um, nice, Batista and John Cena. So, okay, so but, you never I mean, liked him. I've I've never been a fan of him. Um, like and like this is going way back to when you know he'd be commentating with uh, Jesse Ventura. Woo! <laughs> yeah, because some of us are older than the rest of you. So remember. <laughs> hey, man! I was there. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, like he's, uh, I've, there's always just been something about him. And then I think the whole, like, um, like the, the steroid scandal and, and everything else, like it just really kind of soured me more on him. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, the same thing with like, you know, everything else, like the, the fact that they're taking no responsibility for how the performance performers are now. Yes. The head injuries, the, the, you know, yeah, the head injuries and the fact that a lot of them are like, you know, broke and still doing this at like 65 and 70 because they don't have a choice. Right. Yeah. You know, it's like you were, you were the, biggest company in the world you took off all these little minor uh wrestling clubs and everything yeah, else the other territories yeah. he, he, he took those over and even and then that was a struggle that um, was the first yeah. move really yeah and and you can't take care of the people that put you in that position right now see i'm you gonna know. be like devil's advocate because I watched the, the, the biopic, like this is years back, when um, Ving Rames was uh, doing, uh, uh, what's his name there? Don, uh, oh my God. Don King. Don King, thank you very much. And, uh, you know, and then Don King came in at the end and he goes, you know what? It was like Made in America, that was called. And he turned around and he said at the end, it was actually him and not Ving Rames, said, you know what? This person doesn't like me. This person doesn't like me. All these boxers are always saying, oh, I did all this. I stole all this money. But this person is a multimillionaire. This boxer, I made a multimillionaire. This person, I made a multimillionaire. So is it, and I get what you're saying, Dave, but at the same time, playing devil's advocate, depending who it is, if you got out in time, I think the wrestlers themselves get hooked. It's like a drug. They can't give it up. And if they were smart about it, 
they made money, but you had to be smart, smart about it. And, and I've seen Austin turn around and he's made his money. He had to get out because of an injury. <clears throat> Mm-hmm. You know, so he had no choice, which was a good thing because if he stayed in, he would have been a character of himself, you know, uh, if he still was there trying to perform. Right. But at the yeah. same time, he, he made his money. He made his business. He Austin himself uh, admits that he screwed up at one point where Hogan came back and he was supposed to wrestle Hogan. And it was uh, Hogan. I'm not sure who he teamed up with. And, and then it was um, uh, himself and, and The Rock. You know, and Austin says, oh, I don't want to lay down for Hogan. I'm not laying down for anybody. And that's when he kind of took off. He didn't show up, you know, and then he looks back and he's like, man, I could have made good money. I screwed up. So it's also the other side of the, for the wrestlers to, I think they should get in, make their money, get out. Don't stay long. Get in, get out quick. You know, that's, that's my take on it. As much as I like to see Austin still wrestle up to now, let's be real. You take those bumps, your bump card goes down really quick. You only have so many bumps in your body. Right. Make your money if you can make it and get out like, like the mafia. But a lot of them get caught, caught into the lifestyle. The, you know, even when I hear Austin talking about it, you know, life on the road, he got caught in with the drugs, um, the drinking, the, you know, womanizing. He, he admits that himself. It, it's part oh, of yeah. the business, but you got to be smart to get out at a certain <laughs> point. I, I think. Well, I mean, for me, I mean, it was more like during the 80s, I guess. Oh, of course. It, it it was what it was, but you see guys like, you know, that are, you know, now their kids are, are doing it and whatnot, but you look at, um, what's his name? Um, Randy? Rowdy? Ultimate Warrior? Yeah, well, Piper and, uh, and Macho Man, but uh, who is the big one? The Chris Benoit. Hey, yeah. Cool. Right? Yeah. Like, just literally, they were just kind of like... Wash their hands of it. Yeah, that's that's what pissed me most off about it, how, how Benoit is still not talked about, like he didn't exist. And it could yeah. have been an opportunity to say mm-hmm. he was troubled at the time in wrestling. We were taking unprotected hair sh- chair shots. Uh, you know, we, we were doing all this. They've since stopped doing that, but they could they don't have to write him off like that. Like he was, he was just, he was doing what everyone else was doing. And he was one of the ones that was, he was brain damaged. You know, it doesn't make what he did right by any stretch, but it's, it's extra wrong to write him off as if he was uh, like a serial killer. You know, the, the man literally gave his life for WWF and Vince now has just like erased him from history. Absolutely. And, And it could have been an opportunity to use to, you know, everyone could feel bad and, understand how horrible it was but to learn from it at least and i don't know i don't know i mean to vince's credit too he has instilled that wellness program and uh rehab he'll pay for rehab for people and uh he's changed the way it, it works but he's done really definitely unsavory things and and i don't know if he even knows the difference between what his character is and him anymore because of it you know no, I think you bring up an interesting point. I mean, the lines might be blurred and, you know, as exactly. I mean, I remember that whole night watching it when it came out with Benoit, you know, everyone came to the ring. They all gave their heartfelt speeches and, you know, and then a couple of hours later after Monday night, uh, you know, they found out what the real circumstances were to his passing. And then right away to like next week is like, oh, we're good. Not even next week. It was like that same week. By the time Thursday night SmackDown came around, they, they've washed their hands, erased from the books, taken off all the media, all the way down. 
And you're right, that should have been an opportunity, but I, I can see that he would be afraid to do that because if you open the door a crack, people are going to oh, kick that door all the way down and then you're going to say, who else is damaged? And that would have, it would have been tough for the company, but I think it would have been better for them in the long run to embrace it and help. Then right. but also just, too, at that point in time, and I mean, like, I know this didn't come become a phrase till fucking years later with Oprah, but that's a teachable moment. Listen, if you want to get in, involved with this, these are, you know, some of the issues that you might face. Right. Same thing with, you know, the NFL. Like, the NFL has gone out and said, listen, we know you're smashing your head every play. There's not much we can do. So from now on, you can't hit people with the crown of your helmet. You can't, you know. Right. They, they've implemented stuff and they've made like the, the concussion protocol. Yeah. You, know, you got you gotta, you, go on, go on, sorry, go on. <clears throat> no, and I mean like, I know there's still, like, I think there's still a lot of players that are kind of like looking for compensation from them. And mm-hmm. I don't know about the legal um, or anything like that, so I'm not going to talk about that. But I think the NFL and you know other pro sports, uh, NHL and whatnot, they've made the proper moves, and they've said we were wrong. Mm-hmm. Let's fix this. Whereas well, Vince just kind of looked and went, "Yeah." <laughs> well, so you got coming into the ring. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you, you got to look at it in the business sense of it back then, you know, when scenarios, I'm thinking of any business back then, you're trying to keep these things kind of hush us in-house. So now mm-hmm. when it gets out, you don't want it to get out to the public to know because you're, you're worried, like Barry saying, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt your brand. NFL, NBA, all these other ones, they're realizing now that the, the, um, the people, the, the clients, those are the watchers, the spectators are now getting – affected and they're realizing like hey why is that happening to my favorite guy and you're now a business now will realize well if you're going to start pulling away from your favorite guy because of that i'm going to have to i have to change my whole structure this is still of the old mindset of like saying yeah like bring it you know when you came when you signed on the dotted line these were the side effects of what you know what could happen when you're you know when you you might you might take a chair to the head you might take a chair to the back. You might get a knee to the back. You might get, you know, get into a, you know, a pile driver, you know, just off the top rope. It comes to the job. Do you want to still proceed? Yes. Sign the dotted line. You made that decision how many years ago? Yeah, because, oh. I mean, you know, there's a show, I mean, uh, called uh, Dark Side of the Ring, right? And, and one of the people they covered was Brian Pullman. So, it, yeah, Dark Side of the Ring is on Crave TV. They, they mm-hmm. talk about, you know, past things with wrestlers. It's, it's voiced by Jericho. Um, and they talk about Brian Pullman. Right. So Brian Pullman was part of with um, uh, Bret Hart and that whole fraction. He was like the, the, uh, the crazy man. You didn't know what he was going to do. You know, he was smart how he did certain things with business, but it was a very thin line between his character and him. You didn't know where one stopped, the other one started. Yeah. Regardless, everything goes on. Brian passed away at a young age, but his son, Brian Pullman Jr., seen his dad go through all that and is still joined wrestling and and following his dad's footsteps and he looks like a carbon copy physically of his dad and he's an aew and you think that him seeing all the bad stuff that his dad went through 
or and, and how his life ended short, you know, and the addiction and, and being on the way. And he, and he still turned around as a kid and said, yeah, I'll sign on the dotted line. Well, right. But, you know, he, he could have, you know, a lot of wrestlers, a lot of their kids are trying it out. You know, uh, I know Mick Foley's daughter tried it out. She stopped. She's doing something different. Okay. And it's a good thing because she's a good looking girl. And to follow kind of her dad's footsteps, those are, those are big shoes to follow. I mean, come on. This man is a hardcore legend. <laughs> He's left pieces of himself in the ring somewhere. <laughs> it's, a, it's a wiring thing. And I think you guys can yeah. sort of uh, relate on, uh, on a level in the comedy world is – uh, you know, is it lucrative to be a stand-up comedian? Not often, <laughs> right? I, I know I, I, I do a lot of work in independent wrestling leagues uh, around right. Ontario and, and even the States. And I have personal friends who are professional wrestlers that aren't signed to a major contract. Mm -hmm. I, I have buddies that will drive for five hours, get dumped on their head for 10 minutes, and make yep. $25 in a, in, a, in, a, in a gymnasium. Right. And they're now they're getting into their 40s and they're really hurting and they all have full time jobs and families and everything. But I, I ask them constantly, why do you keep doing this? There's no money in it and you're getting hurt. And he says, it's That's just it's just in me. It's, it's just a dream. It's yeah. a dream. It's, it's a passion. It's all I've ever wanted to do. And I, I try to That's be careful, but it's uh, it's it's just sometimes you can't save people from themselves. Uh, sometimes, you know, that's just true. How it is. What's the promotion that you that you work the most with? Uh, I'm, I'm involved heavily in Chinlock Wrestling. That's, uh, that was started up by a couple friends of mine, and I've done everything for them from day one up until right before COVID. We did a show in Kingston that had Bret Hart, uh, uh, Mark Henry, and eight or ten other legends doing signings. And then Tommy Dreamer brought his, uh, his brand and, they, and his wrestlers to it. Um, I, I, have, I have a bunch of other leagues I work with, but that's the biggest one. Yeah, 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 yeah. We all got to get together and go for one of these live matches. That's for sure. Right? <laughs> Absolutely. But, you know, but getting back. So we're going to get back to Vinnie Mac. Vinnie Mac. Yes. Mm. Yo, I'm still, I'm still, I, you know, love him, hate him, whatever case be. He's interesting. Mm. You know, and I love what this discussion is doing. But uh, with, with Vincent, you know, like I'm on a first name Vince with him. I'm calling Vincent. So <laughs> Vince, <laughs> you know, he's, he's. Got like I said, as an in-ring performer, he always captured my attention, and I always loved to see what he was going to do next. I mean, I, I was hooked. I admit it. I was a mark for Vince when he would come out there and do some of the crap he came out with. You know, when he came out with, and, and then bringing his son and daughter into it, and getting, and then even his wife and getting them into the drama. Like I thought this was a better soap opera drama than the day soaps. You know, like these people needed to win some kind of award, like an Emmy for acting and all that. Put them on the daytime soaps and let them win some stuff. Because some of the craziness, I mean, look, you had the, the, the ministry, and then you had the corporation, then the corporate ministry. That, that was the heyday. And then anything he wanted to do, every time he was fighting Austin, and Austin came up with what? The beer truck. Yeah. You know? The he cement filled, truck. He filled up, yeah, he filled up Vince's Corvette with cement. Right? You know? Like, they did all the big stunts during the, that time, where he would just drop fifty or $100,000 to do one stunt they could capture on film to elevate the, the rivalry. Well, that's it. Yeah. But, see, so my question, first of all, when they're bringing people in, how do they figure some of that stuff? Maybe you might have an insight on this, Jay. Um, because they're going from town to town. Yeah. And then last minute, he's going to say, okay, uh, what, for tonight, I need a Corvette, I need a cement truck, I need an ambulance, and I need a limo, and all we're going to get destroyed is have the cement truck. Find someone, make it happen. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, that's how, that's how it is. Yeah. 
And I mean, it would be something that they would build up a, the storyline and that would be a payoff or at least, uh, you know, a, a marker along the road to get to a, a made like a, a WrestleMania or something. And every, you know, they periodically do the big stunts. They did more of them in the 90s when the money right. was really flowing with the, uh, with the Monday Night Wars. But it would, it would be written out like a movie and they would know that two months down the line, it's going to be the payoff. And so every two weeks, let's do something that elevates it a little bit more and a little bit more. And they would have it pre-planned and sometimes even pre-taped. Uh, you know, the, might not be the chronological order, but they would right. show it to us. Uh, the cement getting poured into his truck or but, uh, blowing up a limousine or whatever the hell he did a couple of times. And there was a lot of it. There was a lot of those stunts. And, and what Barry was saying, too, when he started bringing his family in is when... It, it went to a different level. Like, uh, did you guys remember his, his wife was comatose and she was in a wheelchair and kind of catatonic. She went, she couldn't speak. She just stared out and he would be dragging the Trish Stratuses out and making them, kissing them with tongue graphically in front of her and making her bark like a dog and strip down. And I'm thinking, what are you doing? Like, this is, I, I get the storyline, but it was, he was pushing boundaries that I, I don't know if it could ever be done again. No, they can't. They can't. They can't. Not in these days. Not in these days. Half no. the three quarters and one hundred percent of what he's done is no. I, I can't. Even, I can't even think. I can imagine any of the stuff, any of the stunts that he's done that could be pulled off right now. But he was literally understanding the pulse of the people. He understood the pulse of the people that he had to do something to elevate the the conversation. Like you, like Barry said, he was like the Trump. All that. So Trump will always say something that it just to get you to talk about him the next day. Yes. Vince did whatever he had to do to get you. That was a Monday night. So by Tuesday morning, eight at by nine fifteen at the water cooler, he knows somewhere in this great state of the United States and North America, someone's going to be talking about what I did tonight. I got well, there was also that whole war between him and Trump. Yeah. Wait a yeah. War, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yes, yes, yeah. That's yes. when Vince had his head shaved. Was uh, yes, when, yeah. when they lost that match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, do you fellas remember when Shane and Vince McMahon were a tag team against Shawn Michaels and God? Yes, yes. He fought God and won, and he, he couldn't even put God over. <laughs> he had to beat God. Yes, <laughs> you. I'm the one signing the checks. I beat God. What? How do you walk away? Just walk away. Come on. I mean, look. It, it, it was it was the the um and, and then, so you know Austin great rivalry with you know uh, McMahon but then you know my group my team was Degeneration X right and I'm talking the version with you know uh, Triple H this is when Triple they're H. doing the frat boy as I call it, the frat boy version of Triple oh, the, the, yeah. you know when they first came out right so it's Shawn Michaels it's Triple H it's the New Age Outlaws it's China it's yeah. it's uh, uh, Six Pack or you know uh, and, and when they all came out together. Right with the green and black and the music, I was like, okay, I'm all in. And all the antics that they pulled off, especially when 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 Triple H married, <laughs> um, you know, Stephanie McMahon. You know, he roofied her, took her, faked the signature to get her married, and that's when she was supposed to marry. Uh, I think it was. Was it Tess? She was supposed to marry yeah. at that time. Right. Yeah. And it's like, hold on, you know, uh, Vince, I got a piece of paper that says I don't think. All the family drama that you threw in here in one night, I was I was all on board with Vince. And that shows you, I mean, just a testament to, to him being the businessman and the showman. Right. Yeah. He got his wife to be in on this. And I mean, picture, there's ideas that they said no to. 
So what we saw are the ones that said, yes. I mean, I've heard some of the ideas they say no to, right? And even Stephanie had to say, like, no, dad, we can't do that uh, angle, where he wanted to make it seem like they had an incestuous relationship. And she was like, no, that one's too far, you know? Uh, But we saw, so his wife was on board. (laughs) And the kids were on board. So it's not just Vince. Even, I have to say, his wife, Linda. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, like, the the family business. Too right, like she went through that whole comatose story, and then she became a fucking politician. So it's not like it was really a stretch. (laughs) In the Trump in the Trump administration, too, she had a gig in the Trump administration. So yeah, absolutely. He knows what he's doing. I I mean, I say, look, let's just give you an idea. So we're going back 1945. Okay, that's when he's born. Whatever comes up, and then he met his wife like to show you how long they've been together so he met linda at church he walked in he saw this girl blue eyes blonde hair he was 16 and she was 13 and that's the first time they met each other at a church and then she stood up and she was like the eagles oh she was this booksome statuous woman like oh oh yeah i had to meet her and so there's a three years difference and then they got married um a few years later so they got married when she was like 18 it would have made him 21 right and so that far back he's 75 now and he got married when he was 21 that they've seen it all they've had their ups and downs you know he took a risk he turned around and got the company his dad even want to put him in the company he's like oh dad i got an idea and at first his dad was against it and then his dad saw how everything was shaping you know um he was really influenced by his dad because he got back with his dad when he was 12 in his life and they both were getting in you know tv was getting more popular and he was really enamored with gorgeous george and seeing his dad being in that wrestling world and want to be a part of it and pushed and pushed and pushed and his dad gave him a chance and he just took that company sword but he thrives on contra he loves what he's doing he might be a little bit detached from reality (laughs) so he met his wife at church so i guess that's when the rivalry with god must have started right Touche, Jay. Touche. <laughs> Very nice. Point, Jaber. <laughs> yeah, and keep in mind, I mean, back, I mean, now people get into like, relationships more later on in life. Then, you know, 16, 13, that was normal, right? right. This is like, and, and really started pushing a brand during the Cold War. You know, yeah. <laughs> well, look who we're talking about, Dave. I mean, come on now, right? He, he fought God oh. and won. No, and I, I get it. It's just, you know, like, Oh, really? Jerry Lee Lewis. Like, seriously? Uh, But that was his cousin. (laughs) We draw the line. That made it seem so much fucking better, didn't (laughs) it? Trust me, if if McMahon could fuck his cousin for ratings, he would. Mm -hmm. In the in the 90s, absolutely. (laughs) There was nothing he wouldn't do. I mean, this is what I'm saying. In the 90s. He would do it tomorrow. If he would sell, he would get sponsored by Viagra and right in the middle of the ring. My, my. But you know what? There'd be a wrestler out there saying, I'll do it. How much am I getting paid? <laughs> Bring back May <Mae> Young. <laughs> oh, poor May. You know, the, the 90s were the thing, too. What else was really big in the 90s, right? It was the Jerry Springers and the Phil Donahue's and Geraldo's trashy television was the thing where the limits were, the limits were, uh, 
that's the base. You were watching sometimes on that stuff, and he was capitalizing on that. Uh, you know, it was a real. Everything happened right at the, right at the at the right in your with, face with, with Ted Turner's uh, business. Uh, mm -hmm. For him, the Attitude Era was kind of kind of born with uh, the Bret Hart screw job, where he says, "Okay, I'm going to embrace the reality craziness of this business." Also, yes. And then, and then it just started taking off in the, the rivalry with, with Stone Cold and, and, and the Attitude Era, where right at that moment, people were really hungry for as trashy as you could get it, for as out of this world, like you said, the talk at, at, the, at the water cooler about yeah. how, how outrageous can we be? There's no limit to the outrage. Let's, let's see what we can do before they shut us down. And well, it seemed like no, no limit to it. Listen, well... That's another conversation. That's, yeah, that's another character. So. But go on. But, yes. But, Jay, sorry, you, you, you hit it. You hit it right that's away exactly because it. when the Montreal screw job happened and then people started booing him, most people would say, okay, we got to go out there and do some damage control to save the CEO. Again, Montreal. Fucking yeah. riots. <laughs> we talked about this many times on A Touch of Grey. A Touch of Grey comedy. Look it up online. You'll see what we're talking about when we talk about Montreal riots. Man, I miss Montreal. But, you know, the Montreal screw job happens right? And, and as a CEO, most of the times as companies, we got to do some damage control. Yeah. He sat there and went, huh, I can use this, mm -hmm. you know? Hold and then, of course, the swagger walk comes out and, okay, who am I going to? And it's, it's me, Austin. It's always been me. I'm like, the frick? Yeah. <laughs> this guy, he, he enjoyed being a heel. And now that I think about it, like this day and age, he's a grandfather times six. Because Shane's got three boys, right? Mm -hmm. Stephanie's got three girls with Triple H. And that makes him a grandfather. Good God almighty. Granddad, what, what was work like with you? <sighs> Don't watch anything with me in the 90s, kids. <laughs> <laughs> delete, delete, delete. <laughs> you know, can you picture being a, a, a kid, a, his grandkids get older, they go to school. Who's your dad? Oh, Vince McMahon. This isn't Vince McMahon that put the storyline where Mark Henry and Mae Young had a cat, uh, you know, got her pregnant and she gave birth to a, a, a dildo hand. Yeah. I mean, I, well, I mean, frankly, if, wow. it, if it were me as a grandchild, I'd be all over that. <laughs> I'd say, oh, grandpa's the best. That's the best. That's the craziest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> but I guess you can't grow up normal, that's for sure. No, 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 no. The only ones you can win is like maybe the kids, right? It's like, who are you bringing to the prom? Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> oh, crap! with the company anymore, so. Well, it's true. And, and you're saying a lot of the wrestlers have left. They've downsized. But mm. I think that the 90s really was. That for me, that's when I really wasn't. I, was, I used to watch it before. So, you know, the Junkyard Dog. And then, um, you know, of course, Roddy Piper. He was... I, Roddy Piper was a villain. I mean, he knew how to push buttons. Yes. He went down to like East LA in a match, right? Predominantly Latinos. And he goes, Hey, I'm going to go and sing your, uh, your, your national anthem. And everyone's like, Oh, okay. Okay. He finds to show some respect. And he starts going, La cucaracha, la cucaracha. They were throwing chairs in there <laughs> and he was pushing it right to the limit. And I'm sure Vince has now seen all this stuff and said, I got to take it up a step. Correct. That, that's, that's the reactions you want to get. He loved getting spit on by Bret Hart. He loved that. He, like oh. that, he, he threw that out of Bret Hart, and he reveled in that nonsense. You know, he would probably act pissed off about it, but uh, like for business, 
stuff like that, if you can elicit that response, that's that's what they want to get. And, and I mean, doing that by any means necessary is the really unsavory part about it, but it is, uh, he built a billion dollar company out of it, so I suppose he wins. Look, look, look at this way, look at this way. You know, you sometimes look at this as a, a person, employer, you're basically paying an employee to work, whatever the case be. So Vince had to pay all these other people, whatever the case be. Vince realized, wait, I could be my own character. I don't have to pay myself. I can go completely and no one's going to stop me. It, it made the best plays that, you know, you said it right. If Rowdy was, was a heel back in the days, Rowdy probably thought of you certain things but realized, you know what, maybe I won't push the envelope because who knows if I'll have a job next week. Vince is like, this is my company. Not I can Rowdy. do whatever the yeah. I can just create a new character. I don't have to pay for the new character. I can just see how it goes each week. If it keeps building every week, I'll be here next week. And it was it just perfect. It just made sense. It made sense. I remember there was uh I think they were in Madison Square Garden. And it was it was just before WrestleMania and Piper and Orton were in the ring. And they wanted to call down uh S. D. Jones. If you remember him, yes. yes. Well, he got injured in the match beforehand, so he 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 got injured by Paul Orndorff, so he wasn't coming down. And uh, another wrestler, Salvatore Belomo, came down. And Piper's first words to him were, "What are you doing here? I didn't order a pizza, you greasy wop." Yes. <laughs> Oh man! Woo. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, "Damn, he's gonna get his ass kicked in New York." Because <laughs> if I recall correctly, there's a lot of Italians in New York. Yes, yes. Piper. That that was Piper, man. He 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 didn't care. He would go right in the heart of your territory. Look oh, at yeah. the demographic. And say, how can I piss them all off in a couple of minutes? Right, and and who and and Piper got things like those ideas from the gorgeous Georges in the day, who playing that flamboyant uh, kind of gay character. He was uh, gorgeous George was stabbed three times on three different occasions by fans. Like this is you're driving people that nuts that they're going to stab you. It's 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 crazy, and I mean, I guess it's, it's some degree of admirable to the. The, the dedication to your job to be willing to get that much to elicit something out of somebody that you stabbed. I'm going to get some extra money this weekend. Oh, oh, oh I need bandage. That'll right. pay for the stitches. Well, you know? for sure. That was a right, it was a rite of passage because there was other rest. I can't remember who's, it was it. I think it was Macho Man. When they're talking, it was Lenny Popo talking about their dad. And at one point he had like a, a match somewhere and he came out and the car, they, they wrecked his car. And he was, yeah, it was, it was them. And, and he would, and they, and the dad was so happy. It's like, they're like, what? Oh man, they smashed the windows. They slashed my tires. This is great. I'm thinking to myself, if anyone did that to my car, first of all, I'm pissed. And then thinking, uh -huh. how much is it for me to fix this car? You know, and it wasn't like a, a, a clunker. It was a brand new car that people destroyed and they were happy because it's like, that means I'm over. It's like, okay, that's like glass half full. All right, then good on that's you. <laughs> I'm winning. I'm winning. I'm still standing. I'm winning. That's all that's all it is. He's Vince McDonald. I'm winning. Well, wasn't I don't know if I think it was Raven. Didn't Raven get like hit with a frying pan? Yes. 
Oh yeah, like, yeah. I'm, uh, I've heard a lot of those stories. I, I went to uh, Philadelphia to see uh, a Tommy Dreamer show a couple of years ago, right before COVID hit. And uh, Tommy and I are, are friendly and he bought us, introduced me to, you know, the boys backstage and I helped them set up and stuff. And he said in the day in that arena, that uh, ECW arena, he says it was full on riots in the way that Philly's nuts too, like New, like New York City. Philly fans right. are crazy. And uh, Tommy uh, picked up Beulah, his wife at the time, in the ring, and she was unconscious and was walking her out. And somebody in the crowd stuck their hand up her skirt and grabbed her. And Tommy put her down and told her to get to the back. And literally, the boys came from the back, jumped in the, into the stands. And they were just drilling like the malice at the palace, drilling fans. It was a full brawl. Full brawl. They were <laughs> smashing people. It was and like, how do, you get, how do you get a, how does that go? And, and how does ECW continue next week? See you next week, everyone. Well, you know, get your tickets. Like what? Hey, you know of- what? I work. I work in bars where that was the norm. Friday night, midnight. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Everybody and their grandmother starts fighting. Yeah. You throw them all out, and they're all like, "Okay, see you next week." Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Just- that, those are days, man. None of those knives or whatever. Just a good goal. Skin on skin fight. Pop, 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 pop. Okay, man, you got me. See you next week. Buy your beer. Buy your beer. And that was it. Come back the next week. It's like, hey, how you doing? How are you doing? And then another fight breaks out, and those two guys have fought each other. Are now teamed up to fight other guys. I mean, that—that's how brotherhood started, man. You know, so, another forty-eight hours. Right? <laughs> Sorry, I just saw it on TV for the last. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> and that's another reason why I'm not a fan of Kennedy McMahon. He fucked ECW. <laughs> oh, I know Paul E did first, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, he. McMahon fucking watered it down. Oh, yeah. No, that wasn't the same. You got ECW coming. No, you don't. (laughs) You have their characters, but you don't have that. No, no, no. I mean, he he, he just wanted to take over. He kind of wanted to do what he did before and and just flex his muscle. So, you know, he took over ACW. He took over WCW at one point because Ted Turner wanted to get out. He bought everything. Yeah, that's right. He bought everything. And and that's an easy thing to hate sometimes. It'd be a nice position to be in, wouldn't it? But looking at the guy that does it, it's like, you asshole. You're just buying up all the cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the time you bought WCW, I think was on its way down. The only shaft about it was is like, hey, I bought WCW. Oh, by the way, Jeff Jarrett, you're fired. Yeah. <laughs> like, blatantly, you're out. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, he's got, I'm not saying he's a nice person. Yeah, I'm just saying he's interesting. You know, I, I would watch a biopic. If they did a biopic on the McMahons, oh. there's probably stuff we don't even know, or I personally oh. don't know. Because I, I, he doesn't do that many interviews, right? Yeah. Um, he, when he does them, he's pretty much candid and open about them. But I think there's a lot of stuff going on there because at one point he was kind of grooming Shane to kind of take over the reins, mm-hmm. and then Shane just totally stepped away. Like Shane was doing the same thing his dad was, being in the ring, being behind the scenes. You know, worked his way up from. He didn't make it easy for Shane either, but Shane was kind of being groomed to take over the reins, and then Shane at one point just walked away, and that caused a rift between him and Shane. Shane went overseas, opened up his own the digital media company. That's and then right. Steffi came right in and said, that's it. I'm taking over. Yeah. And she, and I have to admit, she, I, I like Stephanie for what she's done within the business as much as she can. Well, there's definitely a Triple H combo too. Oh, well, oh yeah. Health of experience as well. It's, uh, well, they, the numbers, the numbers don't lie. They, they are where they're in the position where they are because of them taking it over and, and, and still growing. It's still growing. Even if people were saying it's bad which it is. I, I don't really watch it much anymore. 
And uh, when I do, I don't enjoy it. It's it's so watered down and mainstream now, yeah. which is kind of curious because it you could almost see that Attitude Era could come back in the way that fans are now sort of going to AEW more and more because it's a little yes. bit more edgy. And how do you compete edgy? You can battle edgy maybe with more edgy. I, right. I, I don't see how they could do it now that they're a publicly traded entity on mainstream television in primetime hours. Right. But something's going to... There's got to be a tipping point. They got You're right. I think they got to go back to their roots to kind of bring those fans in. Because right now, personally, I watch AEW weekly. I remember telling Dave before uh, about AEW. And and take a prime example, Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho is going through right now the, the five labors of Jericho. The labors of Jericho. And it's great. It's awesome. And he's fighting different styles. Different, you know, so he fought a yeah. high flyer. They brought in, um, was it Nick Gage? Nick Gage, yeah. Yeah, the death, king of the death match, Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like, Rod, to give you an idea about Nick Gage, this guy turned around, and he's doing these death matches, right? So it's outdoors at a farm somewhere. People are coming in. They're watching it, and, and, and they're putting themselves through, like, neon tubes and all that. And at one point, he, he gets, like, sliced open with a neon tube around, like, I guess, his lung. He clinically died for a couple of minutes. They mm-hmm. put him on a, on a helicopter to fly him out to the hospital. And when he were, you're teething with him or dealing with him, he got to get somebody else. Wait a minute, just give me stitches. I want to go back and finish the match. I think Mick Foley just more violent and more crazy. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, and they brought that person in to AEW to do a match with Chris Jericho. And Chris Jericho bought back one of his personas called the Pain Maker. So he's got the makeup and he looks like he could have been part of the, you know, the Joker's gang or something like that. Right. And they go at it with a match. Now, Chris Jericho is in his 50s. And, you know, Nick Gage is pulling out a pizza cutter and slicing him across the head. I'm like, blood it. I'm like, okay. Did you, uh, did you hear about the fallout of that, too? Uh, the Domino's Pizza was a sponsor, and they were furious that a pizza cutter was used in that. Wow. Yeah. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. And I think, actually, Domino's dropped out of sponsorship. But the following week on A&W, right. on, on, on AEW, uh, Little Caesars had a spot. <laughs> They're like, well, we'll step in. Screw it. Why not? Well, okay. well that's it. And, 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 and even the beauty is that at one point, you have the guy that he's trying to fight, right? This guy, uh, MJ, MJF, right? He's, he's a, you know, preppy villain. That's the way he's playing. And he's standing close to the fans. And at one point, a fan goes and tries to jump him. <laughs> they whoop that boy's ass. <laughs> I mean, I'm whooped. I'm whooped. Like, he owed them money. Whooped. Wow. You don't jump a wrestler when he's got the adrenaline pumping and security's there and he jumps the back. No. And he's going to learn today. Tried to jump Jericho when he was in the ring or, or, or ran in and tried to. going to learn tonight. Oh, yeah. Jericho said it straight. He goes, let's think about this. I see you coming before you even get to me. And what happens? You have to go through where? The guy goes, the ropes. He goes, that's right. So when you go through the second and third rope and you're trying to climb into the ring, your head is exposed. Football. Mm-hmm. <laughs> never, never, under, never understood the, the wrestling fans running into the ring thing. I've, I've never, I've never got that. Uh, uh, Bret Hart at the Hall of Fame, WWE yes. Hall of Fame, when the dude run in, did you all see that the footage afterwards as they were yes. escorting him out? That was uh, Dash Wheeler, who's in AEW now in FTW, that tag team. Just like you could audibly hear it on camera in an auditorium, like him popping that guy. Like these are three hundred pound angry trained men that don't get angry. 
Like what? That's that's the the, the point you're going to choose to to run in. Hmm. That's Ooh. like for yeah, me. You know, alcohol is a wonderful thing. Alcohol is a hell of a drug. <laughs> right. That's like a comedian that goes in I and says, water. "Man, I hope someone tries to heckle me tonight because I'm in the mood." Because mm-hmm. you're primed for it. As a wrestler, you're walking in there and like, if someone jumps in this ring tonight, you know, it's and on. when they, you see them coming as a wrestler, I'm thinking they're all imagining, like, you know, songs oh, like Metallica, yeah. some Limp Biscuit, you know, something's going on, you know, uh, uh, Drowning Pool, Let the Bodies Hit the Floor. They're imagining something and they see this guy coming from 20 feet away and they're like, oh, thank you. <laughs> and like, like, like Dave was saying earlier about, about the bars back in the day, there was some mm-hmm. doormans that I worked with in bars that were having a surly night. They said, I hope somebody fucks with me tonight. I hope they do. I want it. Uh, tonight, I'm in no mood. I'm looking for it. <laughs> right. I, I personally never did that. No, no, of course not. You are not that type of caliber of a man. No, no. You escort them out very calmly. <laughs> You know, they might hit objects on the way out, though. That's all it is. Jazzy Jeff style. Yeah. <laughs> if you're so nice, then you would try to throw for distance. See? Jazzy Jeff. Yeah. Hey, Jazz. Open the door with his face on the way, horizontal to the door. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man. Let me help oh, sorry. you. Sorry, we got to pull the door to open it. <laughs> all right, we're on this side of the door. My bowels. <laughs> No, I'm telling you, I, it's it. I I just love the world of wrestling. So let, let's kind of go through this real quick. So I'll start with you, Jay. Favorite Vinnie Mac moment, or anything that he was involved in, what that stands out for you? That like, oh crap, that was cool. Uh, oh, for for cool. Oh boy, cool or whatever. Be be whatever it is, whatever stands. If, if it's good, bad, whatever. What stands out? You know, as uh, as a him and as an in ring, uh, I guess announcer, performer, whatever. Something he was attached to. Yeah, I mean, honestly, as, as the 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 Montreal screw job stands out for me, and it's I know it's not a good thing. It was a real shitty way to send out your best employee. Yep. At, at the end, but there was something about that as a moment that stood out for me with Vince McMahon, and you could see him wiping wiping the spit off of his face at that moment, and the crowd was confused and going going crazy and, and Brett was pissed that it's just going to live in infamy and for that moment for him to just well he created that moment and then <laughs> and, and then embraced it moving forward as right. like he's not going to make any apologies or or even just let it disappear he is going to push it more and more and that moment to me is the one that sort of was the catalyst for the attitude era and all the things I really loved that the 90s wrestling was sort of instigated by that moment so that one for me is always just going to stand out as a it's not a good one admittedly but no it's, but it's memorable be there like that's that's just one that really stands out that that and the god one I I, I, I couldn't have laughed any hard they had this the single spotlight on nothing just leading to the ring and and, and uh, Sean Michaels jumping up to tag uh, nothing. It was so bizarre. Just the fact that we do that because that was after Sean Michaels found God and cleaned himself up. Yeah, yeah. Almost like Vince McMahon saying, "Well, yeah, that's your new thing. Well, we're gonna beat your your guy." Like God, like, uh, the uh, the people that must have pissed off. It's just the, the balls of that <laughs> are, are the moments that stand out. And I wish he had a moment that was kind of nice, but he doesn't have any real nice moments. So. <laughs> Those are the two that really just, they, they just burned into my, my 
19 year old 20 year old brain at the time and they're just never going to go away <laughs> so, same question to you dave what what stands out anytime he got punched in the face <laughs> i like i said you know there are so many times where like you know like watching it as a kid and everything else, and you'd hear Jesse the body go, Shut up, McMahon. And you just want, like, I, I would have paid Jesse Ventura to punch him. Right. I'd still pay Jesse Ventura to punch him. <laughs> I would love to see Jesse Ventura drive to Connecticut, go to Titan Towers, and just clock him right in the fucking just. Hi, Vince. How are you? You know, just, I mean, like, for what he's done for the sport, I guess. Right. The, the entertainment. Like, well, his has always been more entertainment. Yes. Than, than sport. And the one thing that I, I do really like about, you know, like AEW is they're combining both. Mm-hmm. Like I think they have <clears throat> some of the some of the guys that are really really athletic and really really like the high flyers and they're just go okay go mm-hmm. you know and they're not afraid to do the blood and everything else and show the share shots and you know like you see it and now like. You said earlier you didn't want to see Stone Cold become a parody of himself. Right. But somewhat watching WWE now, it's become a parody of itself. Like it has. it's yeah. You know, like the the Roman Reigns Uso tribe thing and everything else. I'm like, yeah, you know what? That's great. And then there was, I don't know if they're doing it or not, rumors that, oh, The Rock's going to come back and fight Roman Reigns. I'm like, why don't you just have a big family dinner and have all the Samoans there? Yeah. Just get them all in. Like, see what Afa's doing. You know, <laughs> see, what, see what Haku's doing. Well, uh, actually, wow. sorry to go off topic here, but uh-huh. I just want to ask have you seen his son in a or 40 pounds is a monster. Yeah. Jesus Christ, that is a big kid. That's a huge kid. I wish he I wish he would would have been better in that match. He looks like he's a little bit green still and a, a little bit, but man, does he have a look. He is huge. Yes, yes. He's, he's, wow. he's I, I he can and he's got uh, access to great mentors in AEW, you know what I mean? With Sting being there, Chris Jericho being there, uh, Jake the Snake Roberts being there, you know, Arn Anderson, um, you know, uh, Tully. And, and that's what I was telling my wife the other day that, you know, and I know it's a little bit off topic, that right now, Flair is not with WWE anymore. Right? right? Ric Flair. Right. Ric Flair was down with uh, Adro, uh, Adrio at, at the day, go, I can't remember, you know. Uh, Andrade. Yeah, thank you. Yes, who's who's going out or or engaged with Charlotte Flair, right? And he so Ric Flair showed up at one of his matches and jumped in the ring on his behalf, and he signed to AEW. So we're missing the most prominent horseman, yeah, 
Will he show up at AEW, even if it's only for a couple of weeks? Oh, yes. I, yes. Like, the, 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 they're, they're, they're almost there. Like, bring back, just put them all together on camera, and I'm happy at the same time. Just, that, that's all I'm saying. Bring back the horse. Like, we're, 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 oh. Okay, so that, that's me off topic, but yeah, that, that's what I'm hoping for, because, I mean, that's almost a son-in-law. You're not that far away. <laughs> You know, come on, Con. Bring bring in Flair. Make just sign the deal. Just even if it's only for a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah. You know, just give me that moment. So, uh, and what about you, Rod? What, what do you have that stands out with you and Vince McMahon? What What are you thinking? With, with Vince, it's hard for me to try to think of a particular storyline. You guys got great memory. You guys can tell. <laughs> you guys are basically telling to the point of the guy. I knew this guy was wearing brown shoes that night. I'm like. <laughs> I'm like, you guys are so deep. I'm like, I can't read. I can't. When you guys say it, I'm like, yeah, I remember. I remember. You guys like, screwdriver, Montreal screwdriver. <laughs> but I'll say this. Uh-huh. What I do remember about Vince is his, his attitude. Listen, I, I love, I've loved watching it because of the storyline. He was just, he was just crazy. You just, like you said, you expect once you realize Vince, the story is on him. The camera's on Vince. Okay. What are we going to expect tonight? And the craziness I love about him is that he's crazy. And then the next time you see him, he's all professional and, and business-like. You know, yeah. go out there and do this and do this and do this and do this. He may be and yelling up in someone's face. And sometimes he gets crazy all up in her face. And then all of a sudden, he'll just snap off. And I'm like, you're a showman. And that's what I love because you realize this is what's needed for the business. This is what I, I got I to gotta, I gotta lock down the brand. I got to make sure that everybody comes and watch my show. He's doing what's best for business. I will fucking puke all over this show. No, at the time, at the time, at the time, he was always crazy enough. Just he had to do what he had to do for the business. He just, he just did craziness to basically know that I got to get them into my store. Any, by any means necessary. If you got to come and see the crazy guy who's going to just go, who might one day, like you said, I don't know if he's going to go and, and, and buck heads and jump out of behind a, an alleyway and, and jump Stone Cold. I don't know if he's going to, you know, go off and, 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 and fight up with Michael. You know, you don't know what, you don't know what to expect. No, he just knew he had to do. He had to do whatever craziness for the brand. That's where I realized that in the business, like, it's marketing. He was just doing any marketing type of ploy to get them in the studio, pay your money, pay me, give me your money, buy the ticket. And sit yourself in the stands. That's all I want you to do. On your way out, buy a shirt, buy a hat, buy a beer. Come back next week. Re- rinse and repeat. He did whatever <laughs> he had to do to get them in. That, to me, was like, yeah. you know you know any business, honestly, if you really think about it, if you step back and think of it, do you know any other businesses, just even a storefront, who would have to really pull their head to have some type of business for people to return? It's, it's a constant marketing ploy that they really – you got to sit up in the, in the middle of the night. Some people, you know, some, you know, mom and pops are like stressing ahead. How am I going to get this person into my store? Vince realized, I just got to be crazy. I got to do some crazy antic that basically I will get you guys to talk about it Tuesday morning at the cooler. And I got you. Saturday night when you, you know, right. uh, Battle Royal, whatever the case to be, I know conversations on Monday, we're going to talk about it. Someone's going to yeah. talk. That's all they got to do. You're, you're right because uh, who used to do that it was um, what's the name um, uh, Howard Stern. Most of the people that were tuned in to Howard Stern didn't like Howard Stern, but they tuned in every day. 
Can you hear what he was going to say, what he was going to do? What, what is he going to say? Yeah, they, they couldn't stand him, but they, they gave him his ratings. They made him like the king of media at one point. It's like, can't stand Howard Stern, but I'm going to tune in at 4 o'clock when he's talking. Oh, he's pissed me off. I'm going to tune in tomorrow again at 4 o'clock. So it, it's that adage, you know, like even for myself, what stands out for me for Vince is forget all the stuff that he's done with WWE. I think to me, the funniest moment was one little speech he did where he's trying to, he's still being Vince McMahon, but he's trying to clean up the character like you were saying, Rod. So mm. it was uh, Dwayne Johnson's first appearance on SNL before a Sunday night pay-per-view, right? So it's his first appearance. Uh, so Dwayne's on there. He's the main host. But on there, you got Vince. Um, you know, there's a little speech, right? So the, the whole intro happens with, you know, Dwayne doing his monologue, whatever the case would be. And then it, the camera pans off backstage. So you got Vince. He's got a cup of coffee. Yes, I remember all this. You got the big show. You got Triple H. And you got Mankind. And they're all standing there. And he goes, okay, guys, we have to understand. We're not on our show. Different rules. You, you can't do the things we normally do in our show. This is a, a, a public show. We got to be on good behavior for today. Right. And, and he's like, so, you know, Foley, you got it. And, and Mick Foley was like, yeah. And he jumps up and he's like, Rocky, Rocky. And he's like going off on this song and dance. And I thought it was hilarious. And Vince is looking at him like, okay, Triple H, I know you have a match with the rock tomorrow night, you know, whatever it was, pay-per-view for the belt. You can't do anything to him tonight. And, and he's like, okay, man, no problem. And he's like, okay, big show. You understand? Nothing. He goes, no tapping him? Can't hat him? Can't tap him? Nothing. Not even a chair shot? No chair shots. Okay. Show, what do you have behind your back? What do you mean? Show me your hand. So he pulls out one hand. He goes, show me the other hand. He's your show? Turn around. And Big Show turns around, and he's holding a folding chair behind his back but he's so big you can't see it there he's like put the chair down <laughs> like that part of the monologue of how vince understands the, the dynamic between shows and still yeah. sold it and even though in that particular moment i think paul white stole that moment you know and, and then they're sitting in the audience and Dwayne's still continuing with his monologue and and triple h is like boo boo he's like you got something to say jabroni he's like you know what and vince is like hey Hunter, Hunter, he's like, I can't touch you tonight, but, but, and he grabs some guy in the audience and he throws him on the floor and he's like, you know what, I can't touch you tonight, but I can work my aggression out on him. And he just drags this guy off and beats him. And, you know, so, you know, mankind's still going, Rocky, Rocky. I'm like, what the hell am I seeing? It was such a zoo, you know, but Vince is like, people look at us a certain way. They don't think we're being serious. You know, that speech just intertwined with all those main actors right there. You know, at the time, I'm going to call them actors. They're out mm -hmm. of their, their, their realm, all there together, sold that moment. Vince, right. you know, in a different medium where he's not the man in charge, still understood his role. And up to now, that stands up to be as the, the, the best SNL of, uh, you know, when The Rock was on. That first time is what sold it for me because he did a bunch of different sketches like Nick Cottrell and all that. But when Vince was around, it was a little bit more magic. So... That's my two cents. <laughs> we gonna wrap this up, gentlemen. Rod, round yes, table. Sir. Where can we find you, Rod? You can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Mr. Rod C. Also, definitely find me on Twitch. Listen, I DJ there under the guise of DJ Rod C. Definitely find me there. Find me on Facebook as under DJ Rod C as well. Listen, you have fun online. Find me. We have some fun. Also, you can find me here at Iconis. Iconis. 
He's got a question. Find you at DJ Rod C. Yeah, DJ Rod C on Twitch. So twitch.tv forward slash DJ Rod C. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Rocky! 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 Dave, my brother, where can people find you? Uh, for the next couple of weeks, absolutely nowhere because I'm not doing anything. I'm going off to Algonquin tomorrow, riding and uh, everything else, nice. and then uh, come back over the weekend. And I get to put my uh, oh. vest and uh, everything else. And then, yeah, we're working on a bunch of stuff, and hopefully, there's not going to be a fourth wave to fuck us over. And uh, if it doesn't happen and we are lucky enough then keep an eye out because we are looking at going everywhere and anywhere nice. we are going all the way from windsor to quebec city nice so, little yeah, windows little walls, little walls. <laughs> we're taking the shit on tour <laughs> and social media wise where can people find you Social media-wise, you can find me on Facebook until I get kicked off because I keep calling Zuckerberg a cocksucker. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at a ton of fun. You can also find me on Instagram at a ton of fun. And you can find me on uh, at redbubble.com, uh, Touch of Grey. And uh, you can probably join my fans-only page where you pay me not to take my clothes off. So... <laughs> <laughs> and you know they put up an update that come October they're getting rid of all the porn off of OnlyFans. Yeah, I just read that today. Yeah, what what built your 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 platform is you know you're gonna pick them off. Right, right. They should follow the Vince McMahon plan. We're gonna say the word cunt. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! And most people always know where to find Jay, but Jay, tell people where they can find you. Jaber Digital Arts is on, what am I on? Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, jaberdigitalarts.com. You can contact me anyway through any of those. And mostly buy all their merch because that means I get to work more. <laughs> I, 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 not only that, if anybody else is watching this and was like, you know what? I could do that because let's face it. We're not the fucking brightest people and everything else. But if you want to do your own show and you want to look as good as we do with these like layouts and everything else, you fucking contact that man right there and he will set you up because we do not look as good without these. So he does everything for us. He's done us for a touch of gray. He's done, you know, He's updated Smokey and made, you know, my banners and whatnot. He does stuff for Barry. He does stuff for all of us. And we've, we've, I've discussed it in the group and everything else uh, for a touch of gray matter. And we've decided that we're not allowed to do shows right now unless Jason's doing the posters. So uh, sorry for the guys that we just did a show for, but uh, your poster was a little bit questionable. <laughs> We 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 want to correct that. So I will. I'll take care of anything. Any anything visual that anyone's got, you you come to me and we'll we'll figure it out. And I work cheap too because I like working. 
absolutely i can i can definitely attest to that because i'm a bayesian i'm on a budget so <laughs> but i'll say that that's for sure uh jay's definitely done you know if you go on to all our stores if you follow uh myself barry3d.com and you go there and you go through my website you'll see all the work that jay's done if you watch this show you see the template you see all the work that jay's done look behind me you see the work that jay's done anyone listening online i'm going to put this you know on our uh, a link to his stuff and all of our stuff there um so even behind rod so all the templates he does and if you go to touch of gray comedy and look at all the 80 something videos that we've done there that jay's had a handle in that and any show that we're on if you see the posters and we're looking nice jay's done it <laughs> that's bottom line so he's been doing it for years he's been doing it not just for us but other comedians so this was awesome jay to have you on hear the voice um and, and see you man this is great you know i'm real you're real you're a real person you're not like a max headroom where it's just a head and just <laughs> yeah i'm dating myself and it's always awesome when i have my comedy brother uh dave on here even though it took me like years to say his last name properly because i butchered it but i'm glad he didn't put me through a door so appreciate that <laughs> thomas is my stunt man <laughs> <laughs> thomas takes Stop. the hits <laughs> Yeah, but Thomas, Thomas is small enough, he can go through a window. So. <laughs> As I said, he's my stunt man. So, you know, if Thomas has to go through a window, if I got to go through a window, Thomas takes the hit. Um, my cousin, always, man, my best friend, DJ Rod C. Yes, Everyone, thank you very much for tuning best in. Best friend, you asshole. No. <laughs> I, I, you know what? what? David. Zeus <laughs> talks. Crazy talking over there. Holy <laughs> It's, it's, it's my best friend, man. You know, my cousin, my best friend. This this is the Iconist podcast. As I like to say, this whole world was created by a pencil, a piece of paper, and lots of imagination. Keep on dreaming. Take care. Take care. Ricky, 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 Ricky,